What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Howdy, folks, and welcome to a very special car talk for TFL. And that's because I have a special guest today. It's me. Yeah, it's Andre. Andre yeah, it, this is Andre. This is it is Andre. Your voice is back. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, even though I think he still has bird flu, but it's not it's not COVID. <laughs> if you hear him coughing, he's already tested like nine times, and he's not pregnant either. That's me. Um, so what we're going to do today, uh, we're, we are going to be talking about the news. We've got a lot of news, actually a lot of depressing news. But in addition, we're going to talk about uh, the cars that have the most overpriced new cars based on MSRP. Super sticker shock. That is right. That's, thank you for doing that because I can't uh, roll my tongue. Super sticker shock. Yes. So what we're going to do is provide this list, and we're just going to go over a few of the cars, not all of them. And this list was provided by our friends at Jalopnik, so thank you guys. Um, and we're going to talk about some of the crazy stories behind some of these. But first, wanted to thank our Patreon subscribers. Without you guys, we couldn't do what we're doing today. Thank you very much. So patreon.com slash TFLcar. As always, we say it on every podcast, basically. Um, your support is huge. We don't have any uh, huge new questions right now from Patreon, but on the next episode, we'll go over. Absolutely. Now, with that in mind, we do have somebody who is a supporter in his own way, and he's been with us for a very long time. And uh, Chris, I know you sent a question regarding the Camaro, and you wanted our opinion on it, uh, whether or not... Chevrolet would bring back the Camaro name after they kill it. Which, by the way, the way that Chevy's killing the Camaro sucks. I'm sorry. Oh. If you're a Chevy fan, it's wrong. At least other people are willing to do a couple special edition versions and have like a big parade or what, something. But with the Camaro, it's just kind of fading out and just like, yeah, whatever. And I think that's a real shame. I really wish that they would do a little bit more with it. But anyway, yes, the Camaro is going away very soon. And... There's no official replacement. However, his question asked, yeah. do we think it's going to come back as an all-electric SUV? <laughs> uh, it's very possible. It, seen with Chevrolet. Just look, well, look what happened to the Mustang Mach-E. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. Well, the Mustang, the traditional Mustang is still here. Yes, it is. And it's new for 2024. It's mm -hmm. going to move on into the future, at least several years. But they do have the Mustang lineup is growing. Right. You know what else? The, it's rumored the Corvette becoming its own brand, right? And creating another SUV based Ugh. on that. It's, it, it's sacrilege to think about it that way. Can you imagine simply just a Corvette with four doors? That's just hard enough for me. But I, it, Or a Camaro with four doors. Or, so the answer to your question is obviously we don't know. However, with that being said... I mean, you gave me a little, a little wink emoji about them uh, calling it a SUV and giving it all electric power. Well, you might not be wrong. Well, here's the thing. GM has a history with this. Just look at the new Blazer. Yeah. Just look at the new Trailblazer. So they've taken names from their past and kind of reused it in a slightly different vehicle. Because yes. I think you and I were both upset when the Blazer came back as a sporty crossover and not as a boxy truck SUV. I would have been fine with the way they styled it had they given it some some minor off-road chops. Ironically, the Trailblazer, which is this little inexpensive runabout, yeah. 
is far more off-road capable than the Blazer, which that in itself is an issue. And then in addition, the Blazer, nothing wrong with it. I think it's overpriced if you get the top of the line, the RS and whatnot. Um, I mean, even in snow, it's very low to the ground, and its chin actually works as a snowplow. So unfortunately, this vehicle that has a fairly wizard all-wheel drive system for snow isn't that useful for snow. Now, I know some of you guys are like, oh, I bought a Blazer. It's just fine. Fine. Let us know in the comments below. But for those of you who have seen the new Blazer, it actually was in a prior video that Roman and I put together about vehicles that have been sitting on dealership lots for the longest. The Blazer is one of them. So keep that in mind. All right. Now we've said that. Should we go to news or should we start the list? Let's start the list and then go to news. Okay. So... Uh, starting at number 10, now remember, these are vehicles with the most overpriced new car based on MSRP. So a lot of these come in from people who actually write into Jalopnik and, and so are this complaining. Is a, yeah, so this is actually based on your guys' feedback. Yes. So Jalopnik was able to compile some of your comments, so we just wanted to, because... This is quite interesting, so we're using this list. Yes. Um, do you want to start at number 10 or yeah. number 1? Well, let's start at number 10, and we'll jump to maybe, because <laughs> there's a lot of Jeeps on here. But this is technically not a Jeep, so we'll um, let, let's start at number 10. Yeah, so uh, Ford, Ford Bronco. That's right, the Ford Bronco. Not the Bronco Sport, the regular Bronco. And now this is a vehicle that it's really a COVID vehicle if you think about it, right? Because when it was coming out, I mean, even prior to it coming out, we, we heard about it, then it started building it and everything else. And that was all around the whole pandemic time. And that didn't help it in terms of production with all the production shutdowns and slowdowns, which really, you know, tied Ford's hands together. And I get that. Uh, but now there are a lot of people out there who have ordered these things even still who are waiting up to a year to get them. And in some cases, they paid way over MSRP. Yeah, and, and this is this goes back to a vehicle that's well has a lot of desire, right? Mm. People, a lot of people want it. It's a return of a nameplate. Yeah, an icon, right? An iconic nameplate. Absolutely, that comes from the '80s and the '90s, sure, etc. '70s and uh, '60s. Yes, yes. Uh, we actually have the half half cab Bronco. Do we have 67, 68, <coughs> something like that? 68. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was which was a cool little truck. That was early days of TFL. But there are several videos that are, I think, on truck and car. Yeah, so check that out. It's, it was yellow and white. It was really a cool little little tiny thing. Can you imagine if we kept it? I mean, we sold it for like what is it, twenty thousand? I think we made a little bit of money on it, but we would have made a lot more money had we held on to it. But that isn't that always the story. And at the time, we had no idea that Ford was building a new Bronco. That it was like two years after we got rid of it that Ford hinted about the new Bronco. So, the new Bronco, based on the Ford Ranger platform. Interesting vehicle because it is technically a truck. However, we keep it here on TFL Car for the most part. It's an SUV. Yes. It's an SUV. Well, here's here's a comment. I have a Jalopnik. Uh, there it is. Here we go. go for it. So this is a comment from one of the viewers, or actually a combined from a couple of different okay. viewers and readers. Um, yeah, I keep laughing at the folks who bought $60,000 Broncos who are complaining about the fit and finish. I say, this is according to this viewer, mm -hmm. dude, you bought a $30,000 vehicle with $30,000 worth of high margin options. Uh, for example, they bought an F-150 STX, which is just one step above Excel, to save some money. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a lot of what they're saying is, you know, based in truth, uh, I think they're kind of 
just really value-minded, right? Because right. kind of like me, actually, because I bought an Excel F-150 as well. Yeah. When I bought an uh, F-150 several years ago. The thing about the Bronco, I mean, to a lesser extent the Sport, but really with the Bronco, it's very similar to the Wrangler. A lot of people want to order it the way they want it, and they're willing to pay that extra money to get that extra tire lift uh, component hanging off color. the side of it, yeah. color, uh, armor, any of those things. And as such, these vehicles, it's just printing money for Ford. I mean, they're just, just raining dollars, raining. If you're listening, I'm actually doing the dollar bill raining thank you, thing. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that is part of it. But the other part is that dealers are absolutely screwing people with lifting up the MSRP. Uh, I've heard stories of up to 30% above what the vehicle's worth. Yeah, and actually I was just in Brooklyn doing the F-150 uh, Lightning Platinum Black, and I took a couple of Uber runs around the city. Right. And one of the drivers uh, was, we talked about the Bronco, and they were complaining that they went to a dealership in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. crazy upcharges on yep. Broncos. And this is a city. This is not like Moab, Utah that he went to. Yeah, some remote area. Yeah. This is where you think they would Major have an influx of a lot of vehicles, right? And it's it's not Ford's fault. This is the dealership's fault. And they're trying, they're trying to find ways of getting a handle on it, but the dealerships, they do it their own way. So, and I've recommended this before, if a dealership has screwed you over or is attempting to do so, Oh, put it out there on the internet. It's a great way to let them know that you care. And then in, in addition, don't go there and tell your friends not to go there. Find another one somewhere else. And so recently Ford for 2024 model year, they discontinued the base Bronco. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. So the starting price moved up because the base Bronco is no longer there. My friend Destin actually owns a base Bronco, Bronco yeah. base model. But his isn't entirely base. He has, I mean, he has like the base yeah. engine, but he has the 10 speed. Or yeah, he got a. He didn't get the manual transmission, yeah. so he got an automatic and a special bumper. And since then, he personalized it. And I think that's the beauty of a vehicle like this. And also, the next vehicle on our list, which is the Wrangler, mm -hmm. it's personalization, like you said. And I think, in my mind, I'm willing to pay more for that because I, I, I care about that. I want that special color. I want extra lights. I want the, maybe the winch mm -hmm. right that comes with it. And I want that lifestyle. I want to remove the doors. I want to remove the top. Sure. And just go topless. Which is exactly what our next vehicle on the list can do and ha was the originator of. And that is the Jeep Wrangler. Um, now, let me tell you something that a Jeep head honcho once told me. He took me aside. I won't say who he is. And I, I was wondering about why Jeeps are so expensive. Because it used to be back in the day that Jeeps were kind of the cheap car. You'd get a Jeep if you didn't really want to go out and buy the Ford Bronco from the 80s and the 90s, let's say, or something like that. You'd buy a Jeep. They were cheaper. Um, they were less luxurious. They didn't have as much stuff. They were very simple. But recently, over the past, say, 20 years, Jeep has gone major upmarket in many ways, and now their, their prices are, are ridiculous. So before we get to the price of the Wrangler, I wanted to mention what this guy said. He said that the owner of any Jeep can go off-road anytime in their imagination. So while they're sitting in their office, their cubicle, or doing whatever type of work it is they do, they can at least know that their vehicle has been prepared to take them on high adventure. Now keep that in mind, because that's one of the reasons why people 
equip the crap out of these things. Take a vehicle that weighs 4,000 or 4,500 pounds and make it weigh nearly 6,000 pounds after they have added armor and giant wheels and tires and lift and all the other stuff. This is part of the allure, not just of the Wrangler, but any Jeep or in some cases many other vehicles, but specifically the Jeep Wrangler. So why do people pay so much extra on these? I think I know. Okay. Uh, also, another, or maybe the same executive at Jeep, told me, and I think they said it publicly, that Jeeps have grown in size over the years on for a reason. Because, you know, it used to be, you know, a single person, you know, guy or gal would mm -hmm. go out yeah. off-roading, and then their friend likes it, so they bring their friend along. Maybe now they're married. Now they have a child. They want to bring their child with them, right? right. Or maybe a second family. So now your two-door Jeep became a four-door Jeep. Yeah. And now it became a Grand Wagoneer. Which we will <laughs> cover in just a little bit. So, But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, how the LJ, the long wheelbase Wrangler, became popular and then it grew into four doors. But with that comes price. Because when you want to bring your friends and family and the rest of it um, and have the capability to do it. So that costs money. It does, but then there's another problem. What? Because the demand is still pretty high, these vehicles go higher when they go to the dealership. It's once again the curse of the evil dealerships uh, pushing up the MSRP um, and or jumping on top of the MSRP, I should say. So do you have a story about Wrangler? I'm sure there's a couple. Yeah, so here's a couple comments from some of the readers. The brace price is only about 32 grand, mm. which was on paper, but a lot of these Jeeps are selling well beyond it, and it's spoiling the news if you want a basic Jeep. Yeah. So that's a fair comment. That is a fair comment. Um, a little secret I'll let you guys in on, for those of you who don't know, uh, when I went to buy a small pickup truck, one of the ones on the list was the Jeep Gladiator, and I was looking at getting the base model Sport, which still comes with four-wheel drive and solid axles front and rear and a whole crew cab. And, and the topless experience. And the topless experience. Now, originally, those things were going for about 35 give or take. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at getting, like, the base model. I remember. This was, like, 2020 model mm -hmm. year, 2021. That's right. And then prices oh. went up. And now the absolute cheapest one, I think, is around 43 Mm-hmm. And I was way out of my, you know, I, I had a certain cap, and I wanted to stay within the cap. So my point is, is that uh, even with that vehicle, it went way above, basically $10,000 over where it should have been. And the Wrangler, in some cases, has done the same. But here's the crazy part. Wranglers are still on the lot for a very long period of time. Once again, refer back to altfl.com, and you'll be able to find that story that Roman and I put together. They sit on the lot for a long time. And there are new rules and regulations coming out about Wranglers. Soon you won't be able to get some of these regular Wranglers with the V6 um, because they'll have the 4xE available in certain states, and you have to order it specially through Jeep if you want the regular Pentastar V6. All of that is happening very soon. So the fact that people really push the price on Jeep Wranglers is mm, not a great idea, I think. I think it's bad for business. And now you also have the plug-in hybrid, right? The yep. 4xE. You have a 392. I mean, I drove a Jeep, the 392 V8. Uh -huh. The sticker was near 90,000. That is the 392, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, even if you were to get the, um, the regular, let's say, the Pentastar with the 8-speed auto and a Rubicon, 
with a couple goodies on it, you're still in the you know mid fifty thousand dollars zone. Yes, that is just that is expensive too. That is pricey um, for a vehicle that's relatively primitive, right? So you know this kind of straddles the whole thing we were initially talking about with the Ford Bronco. Um, just being ridiculously uh, overpriced. But the next one I want to move up to <coughs> is the Toyota Prius Prime. What? Now, the new, new Toyota Pri uh, Prius is a remarkable car. I, I never thought I would ever say a Prius is pretty. I never thought I would say that it's somewhat desirable. And But here we are. The new Prius, they've gone out of their way to make a very attractive-looking vehicle. Um, not quite as comfortable as the previous one, to be honest with you. It's got a very low roof, a very long windshield. Uh, it's the rake of the windshield and its overall uh, entrance height is only a little bit higher than like an old Lamborghini. I mean, it's, seriously, it, it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, but but you can still hold people in it, and it's it drives great, handles pretty good. It's got more power. Great car. The Prime is the plug-in version of it, the PHEV. And that has some pretty impressive numbers. Go to alttfl.com for all of that stuff because we got several stories on the Prime. But what we're seeing both in the regular Prius and the Prius Prime is a lot of price gouging <coughs> and people are willing to pay. Am I right? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Yeah, well, here's a comment from a Jalopnik reader. Uh, okay? okay, yeah. So this comment comes from a Canadian perspective, so pricing is in Canadian mm -hmm. dollars. What's this all about? Uh, it's a boot. <laughs> it's a boot. This person um, trying to replace their 2017 VW GTI, and they started looking around. One vehicle they looked at is a Honda CRV, which was 51,000 Canadian dollars, and then they looked at the Prius Prime, which was 57,000 Canadian. Okay, so there's a different scale. Right? Yeah, yeah, the there's prices are a little different. Can, Canadians always pay a much higher price, but it's very different in terms of our, <coughs> our dollar. But their point was that this uh, pretty much optioned up Prius Prime was upwards of twelve thousand dollars Canadian more than a GTI, which doesn't sound right. Well, and this is what they're pointing out. It's yeah, just I super sticker shock. I agree. It is extremely high. At the same time, here in the United States, uh, if you look at the, the RAV4 Prime, which is the same type of thing, just more powerful engine, I believe, yeah. and just you know a larger vehicle, that thing is also priced really high, like around fifty grand if you got one well equipped, which is insane. And I, I think That's it's a RAV4. And I think it's also supply and demand. Right? That is part of it, yes. The RAV4 Prime, and maybe it's to some extent the Prius Prime, they're sought-after vehicles. Yes. As so, like the Bronco and the Wrangler, mm -hmm. right? So as soon as you have that, you know, the market decides the price, and the price goes up. Yeah, that is part of it. But the other part is also, once again, unscrupulous dealers. And also the fact is that people are willing to pay those extra dollars in order to get these things. <laughs> Americans are known for having a lack of patience when it comes to getting vehicles, and I think dealers tend to seize on that. So we mentioned the Volkswagen GTI, and I wanted to go back to news before we get to our number one on the list. Sure. 
um, because there's a lot of sad news today uh, for some of you guys. And this is the this one to me is one of the hardest ones. And that is uh, the Volkswagen GTI after this upcoming year will no longer be offered with a manual transmission. What? That is correct. They are building what is called the GTI 380, I believe. Yep. Which that designation is actually it's the, on the stamping of what it is. It's an internal code name for the eighth generation, I believe, GTI. Um, so they're going to build a bunch of special edition 380s for you to buy. And once those are gone, that is it. There will be no more manual transmission GTIs. They will get a DSG, a, a, you know, a, a dual-clutch transmission from here on, a seven-speed, I believe. But the manual transmission in a GTI, after the 380 editions are all sold, are, it's done. Finished. Finito. Sad, because in my mind, the GTI is synonymous with the manual transmission. Agree 100%. Because I remember, I was fortunate enough, Roman and I went to uh, one of the VW launch events. Mm -hmm. This was near San Francisco in the Bay Oh, Area. yeah, I remember that one, yeah. And they had all the classic GTIs there. Yeah, and you drove the first gen too, right? First gen, I think second gen even. And basically, they were born with a manual. That's how they were born. I had a fourth gen Golf, as you know. I yeah, you love that thing too. You drove it for a while. 18 years I had it. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. And it had a manual. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I agree. I, well, I maybe had... it'll come back eventually in some other form. <laughs> What, a manual transmission? Electric manual. Mm. If you look at the automakers that are currently in the larger ones in the industry, I'm not talking about small mom and pop ones that are doing like one car a month or whatever. I'm talking about the real production. General Motors, almost completely done with manual transmissions. Ford is down to one manual transmission offer. That's the Mustang. Oh, no, two. There's also the uh, the Bronco, uh, <coughs> the regular Bronco, not the Sport. Yeah, yes. Uh, and maybe they, there's rumor they might bring it back in the Ford Ranger. Uh, and then, you know, Stellantis. Not a whole lot of manual transmissions offered there anymore, especially no. after they kill off uh, but, the Challenger. But there's been a little bit of a resurgence of manuals, like the Super Manual. Yes. The Nissan Z Manual. Yes. And and Mini. Mini's bringing back yes. a couple more manuals, which is great. Uh, Mazda and Honda still do build cars with manual transmissions as well. So it is sad, though, because really, if you think about the birthplace of the hot hatch, That was in Germany, and that was definitely with the GTI. Uh, there was a girl I was madly in love with in high school who had one. She was a lot older than me. Mm. But she had this black one with a red stripe. And it was, I think I, that's the second generation she had. And I drove it a few times. And I learned that you can go around corners faster than you can in my 65 Mustang. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this thing just, it just absolutely was tenacious. And it had a wonderful engine note. So very sad news on that. We'll get to more news later. Uh, let's, well, no, I want oh, to do you this. Want to, oh, okay. yeah. Can we? Can, can you pull up an image uh, on yep, the screen? I certainly this? can. So um, keep in mind, guys, that uh, there's other stuff going on here. I want to. I want to do some happy news because uh, we've been sad recently. Yeah. Uh, this one's kind of happy. Yes. Uh, kind of not totally happy, but happy. For those of you who are listening on our podcast, we have on the screen behind us the brand new Alfa Romeo. 33 Stradale, or as you pronounce it, Stradale. So one of us is probably wrong, <laughs> <laughs> or both of us. I'm not so, an Italian gentleman. I, I am. I'm not at all. I don't have an ounce of Italian blood. As much as I absolutely adore Ital everything Italian, I, I just don't have anything. So, so Strad 
however you pronounce this <laughs> word, it means road. Yes, it but, does, but for it, the but, street. So they've recreated the supercar, and I know it's untouchable for you and I because it's over are they the, building 33 of them? They're building 33 of them. Why, Alfa Romeo? Why don't you build 3,300 of them? Because they're hand-built. Or 1,000. They're, they're literally hand-built. I mean, they're built at a special coach house that is <sighs> that they had to bring in and, and build this thing. So this vehicle is based on the original Alfa Romeo 33, or actually Tipo 33 Stradale or Stradelli yeah. or whatever. Um, and that vehicle, which was built in the late 1960s, appeared at the 1967 Paris Auto Show and blew everybody away. Why? Because it was and is one of the most attractive vehicles ever built. I'll fight you on this. For those of you who disagree, it is. I mean, there are other beautiful vehicles out there, Lamborghini Miura and whatnot. Uh, but this is in that same vein, just the curvaceous styling of it. Uh, Scalgoni, I think. Uh, that's right. That's a picture of it. Um, that's actually my picture, which wasn't great. Um, and they built them, I think there was 18 built from 1967 to, I think, 71, maybe late 71 to 72. And the headlight design changed, or a couple other changes that went through them, but for the most part, each and every one of them was sort of unique in its own way, and they're super rare, and they're worth millions of dollars now, and I will never get to drive one, most likely. However, with that being said, it is an incredible car. Oh, by the way, the old one, two-liter V8 with velocity stacks, six-speed manual, way before people were really doing six-speed manuals, butterfly door, super, super lightweight, and the platform, which is why it has the Stradelia or Stradelli, or however yeah. you pronounce it, name, is was based on the race car, Tipo 33. So they detuned a few things, but that's <coughs> the platform. Now, here's the cool part, one yeah. final thing about the old yeah. one. That old platform underpinned a lot of fantastic, futuristic concept vehicles. Look up the Alfa Romeo Caribou, uh, and they, it's, it's not spelled the same way as the, the, the thing with the antlers. It's C-A-R-A-B-O, I think. Or it might be known as Carabo. I don't know, Caribou uh -huh. is what I call it. Uh -huh. And it, is, it was one of the first like super angular, uh, futuristic sports cars based on this platform, and there were many others based on this platform, right? And this type of angular design, which came after the curvaceous design, led to vehicles that were built by Lotus and a Lamborghini. So keep that in mind. Okay, now fast forward to what this car is. Totally different story. Two but different. Recalls that same shape. It definitely. I would say. It, it has. The shape. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful car. Yeah. Uh, the shape yeah. of it is is similar, although. I would say it's uh, there. You you're, make it bigger. Yeah, it's like a centerfold when you open it like that. Ooh. Even has the little the port window thing because the whole window can't go down because these are also butterfly doors. That's right. Two different powertrains available. Um, there is a twin turbocharged V6, um, but it's an Italian V6, so it's probably going to sound amazing. But there's also an all-electric battery version, so you can get it either all-electric. Or this, which uh, the twin turbocharged V6, uh, they're saying zero to 60 times on both vehicles, around three seconds. Um, top speed, 206 miles per hour. Yeah. It would have been funny at 233, wow. but I don't think they could pull that off. Why can't mere mortals have something like this? Or can we 3D print one? Like, you know how Tommy <laughs> recently interviewed somebody who pr Lamborghini, printed a right? Lamborghini? Yeah, yeah. Can we 3D print this car for ourselves? Well, you're the one with the tech background, so you're going to have to do it for me. Can you call Ralph Gilles, please? 
I don't think Ralph had anything to do with this design. No, um, but but he's head of Stellantis design. Yeah, and I'm sure he has access to this car. Can you call him, please, Ralph? If you're listening, I have a almost brand new uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz that I'm willing to trade for this car. Plus, in my pocket, I got about a hundred bucks. Slap it on top of there. You and me do this. And a pack of gum. I'll give him two packs again. Okay. You get two packs. Yeah, I'm sure Ralph is just like, yeah, right, guys. Yeah, and he's probably going to say something horrible to us the next time he sees us. But seriously, this is probably one of the most beautiful cars that has recently been built. Is it prettier than the original? No. But it is shockingly beautiful. I wonder, though, if we could even fit in this thing. I don't care. Remember you and I <laughs> went to the launch in the Bay Area, once yes, again, yes. of the 4C. So the Alfa Romeo 4C, that yes. was a good seven or eight years ago. Yes. And... And we had a blast, even though we were large guys. Yeah, we both, we had a hard time fitting in that thing. The sills were almost a foot wide just to get up and over. So you got to imagine both of us trying to do yoga to get over these things. But that was a really fun car. Not a very good seller, which is a real shame. But man, that thing shouted and yelled. It was like a little baby Ferrari. And it handled great. It was just not practical for daily driving, which is, I think, part of the issue was the tub and... The seating position was nearly impossible. It just, it didn't quite but, appeal. But remember the steering feel? Oh my God. Remember, I think I drove it first out of the city and then you took over on some of the mountain roads. Yeah, and then we but, drove it on the track too. Yeah, but when I was driving in the city, this is San Francisco, and I went over the, the manhole cover uh-huh. on the street and the tire went over it in the steering wheel. I could read like Braille. I could read it said like city of San Francisco. <laughs> You actually uh, knew when it actually had that raised right. It was amazing. The, yeah. the, the feeling was so direct. You were connected to the road. The sound, the exhaust note of that car was incredible for a little four-cylinder. I'm willing to bet their twin-turbocharged V6 sounds great. Now, by the way, I will go on record by saying that most V6s sound terrible. Uh, we've heard several, <coughs> several people trying to put an exhaust package on like a Pentastar. It didn't sound good. Yeah. Or certain uh, EcoBoost powertrains sound mm, okay, but nothing great. I think that the Italians, and yeah, I'm looking at all the Italians, when they do V6 engines for years and years, including now, they sound mm, beautiful. It is, it is poetic. It, it's, angels are flying in the air when you fire one of these up and you're streaking across <laughs> the road. However, because they are fully aware of the fact that electrification is coming, they have an option to buy an electric version of this, and that electric version, I believe, is good for around 230 miles range. It's more if you d- look at the WLPT range, but sure. we're used to taking off a few miles at least with the EPA numbers, and so we and we don't know what those are yet. Uh, it's it's an incredible looking car. The interior is even a throwback to the original. So I highly recommend that you guys go to alltfl.com. We have a story on tflcar.com, and it's all about the car, and there are plenty of pictures. I highly recommend you check it out. So there yeah, it so is. Yeah, so that was kind of a bright spot of news. Yes. Even though we can't buy one, we can still enjoy it, right? Uh, I just Can we all take a moment and just, just stare at this thing for a little bit? Uh, uh, okay. Well, it is really pretty. And I really do like, you know, sometimes when they do a car that's – pays homage to something from the past and you're just like oh the wheels look special or, or there's a sticker or you know what I mean like there's nothing going on this car really is doing it you can see so many bits of the influence of the original in this car and yes I do recommend you look up the Alfa Romeo Tipo 33 Stradella or Stradale we still haven't figured that one out 
uh, you go to Wikipedia or whatever, and you'll look it up, and you'll see two different types, by the way. There's the type that has the single headlights, and then there's the dual headlights that are one sits over the other in a tandem fashion. And both of them are the same car. It's just that they've done some updates with some of the styling in the early 60s, sorry, in the late 60s and the early 70s. Look it up. It is beautiful. All right, shall we move on? Yeah, let's do the, a little bit more from the list. Can we do this one? Is sure. That, would that be okay? Absolutely. <clears throat> um, so in this story, there are some uh, comments about the 2024 Nissan GTR, which I think you and I both love. I remember still when they launched the car, it was early days of TFL. Yeah. And Roman, you and I, we were able to drive one, <coughs> the original Godzilla. It was, indeed. Uh, now, the very first version of the new um, GTR had a couple of glitches going on with, like, the transmission and some stuff. But the one we got was actually the, the one that was replacing that, sort of. So it had the good transmission or the one that worked better. And well, it was more robust, right? It was a lot more robust. Yeah. And it was also easier shifting and it was easier to launch. And even by today's standards, I still don't know any car that launches quite as violently as the GTR, but also has remarkable handling and is extremely forgiving for anybody who is not skilled. It helps that have an all-wheel drive system that has been hand-picked for lunatics. In addition, that vehicle can go right onto the track, as is. All you need to do is just change the tires and you're good to go. It is that good. Um, unfortunately, it's never been a very popular vehicle, and some of them have sat on dealership lots for, if not months, even years partly because they're really overpriced. Well, here's a comment from one of the readers. The new, in quotes, Nissan GTR is basically the same as it's been for years. Yep. Yes. And now Nissan's charging six figures, sometimes $120,000 or more as a MSRP for these cars. And sometimes there could be upcharges too. Mm -hmm. But in the world right now that has Hellcats, GT350s, GT500s, and the Corvette C8 that are all less money. How can Nissan do this? I That's think a good question. It's a very good question. And this is a little bit different than the other ones because this is short supply and demand. And also, I'm going to say this. I'm sorry, Nissan. But I don't think Nissan cares. I, I really don't think they care that much about the GTR in the United States. They know how popular it is overseas, and they actually sell them. Here, it's just a halo car that will sit on a lot for a while. Someone's willing to pony up with stupid money for them. And yes, there are many cars out there that may have the same or even better performance chops one way or the other. I still firmly believe that the GTR is one of those all-arounders that still manages to sort of sink under the radar. But because there's just simply a lack of them, I mean, these things, are, the engines are hand-built, guys. They're basically like an AMG built in Japan, if you want to look at it that way. They are remarkable vehicles. Some people don't like the way they look, and I might agree with some of them. I mean, they're a little tame, and perhaps some of you guys think that they're primitive now that they've been around for a very long time. But they are still the scalpel in a world of machetes, and I would still take that to the grave. However, you are correct. For the price of that vehicle, which is ridiculous, and yes, I've seen them for well over hundred grand, you could buy other vehicles that are just as rewarding, if not more so in some ways, and uh, are far cheaper. There you have it. Yeah. What about this one? Oh, you want to go to the Civic? Okay. Why so not? this is a comment from one of the readers. So number Once three again. on our list, nearly at the top, 
is the Honda Civic. Once again, we've been bouncing around a little bit. Yeah. Um, so hit it. So, so I think this is, once again, super sticker shock because uh, this person is writing, the last time I bought a small car, it started around $18,000. And I optioned it all the way up to 24000 But I, I now just went to look at the new Honda Civic, and it's starting at 28000 What gives? Well, it doesn't say when they were last yeah, purchasing that, a car. And also, 28000 for a base model Honda Civic? No, it's got to be less than that. This is Canadian. Oh, Canadian. <laughs> okay, there you go. So, well, no, that really does explain it. Still. It still explains it. Still, okay. the same question applies. Yes, it does apply. But it would here in the States, too, whereas in a vehicle like that would start, I don't know, around $23,000, whatever. Uh, and they've been bumping them up quite a bit. It is in a similar vein as uh, several of these other ones in terms of supply and demand, but fortunately, it has nothing to do with people trying to, to do too much in terms of updating and uh, over-optioning the car. Uh, Honda's not too bad about options. They have packages, and then they have some individual things you can choose. Uh, but in reality, we are talking about in a really popular car. It is, among cars, I think the third or fourth best-selling car on the planet. The Civic is remarkably popular and still is, and Honda has maintained that because they use innovation along with usually inexpensive shortcuts to make this car affordable. So at least here in the United States, it's not quite as drastic, but you still will see people who are trying to buy a car that is, you know, still being on, you know, something assembly line. It's not there yet. And that's a part of the problem, I think. Yeah. And I also, so we recently did a story on the truck site about some of the um, you know, environmental factors uh, in the industry that make vehicle more expensive. Yeah. And some of it is also regulations. Yes. So the safety regulations are stringent, mm -hmm. more stringent than ever. Emissions regulations are more stringent Very than tight. ever. Yeah. So when manufacturers are, are building new cars, they have to pass all these laws, mm -hmm. everything, including, you know, very strict emissions laws and, you know, Head restraints, airbags, crash protection. Oh, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Yes. And also now driver assistance technologies, mm -hmm. right? So it has to have adaptive cruise control. It has to do have pedestrian warning, yep. pedestrian, you know, accident avoidance. That costs money, all of it. It does cost money. However, they're able to take that and put it into packages now and bundle it. And the more they build, the cheaper it gets. And that's one of the reasons why when you buy a car nowadays, there was a time where airbags weren't standard or ABS weren't standard or, you know, I mean, like crumple zones weren't standard. So all of these things over the years have become standard and still the automakers in some cases can maintain a relatively low price. Now, the Civic is not the least expensive car out there, ironically. And we're going to go back to news now. This is my toss. Okay. Oh, oh, oh uh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Ironically. Really the least expensive car in the United States is now being axed. And that was oh. the Mitsubishi Mirage. Oh. Um, the Mirage, for the most part, was not the most popular car here in the States, although I've seen plenty of them running around. And the reason why? Because they're really inexpensive, or as some people would say, cheap. I think that they had a starting price of around... 13.5 or 14.2. I'm trying to remember what the... They, they bumped it up a little bit a couple of years ago. And they were very inexpensive. They were they were less expensive than the Chevy Spark at the time. And they were also less expensive than the Nissan Versa. Well, the Spark is gone. 
Oh. And the verse is still here, but now the mirage is going away. So this is your last chance. Actually, it's a good thing for those of you who are looking for a deal, because I'm sure dealers want to get them off the lot as soon as possible. Uh, otherwise, get them, you know, get them to rental agencies, I suppose. Uh, keep in mind that for a gas non-hybrid vehicle, the Mirage was one of the most thrifty vehicles out there. In addition, there was, and I believe there still is leading up to when they stopped production, manual transmission available, and then, of course, the CVT. Um, surprisingly, the vehicles have been relatively reliable, uh, so their reliability index on most you know, sites and on most periodicals has been pretty reliable. So they're, they're stout little cars, not fast, not fun. They're not uh, really anything. Um, well, there's another. <clears throat> and then there's another one, which is in the same realm, but better packaged and more powerful. The Kia Rio is also dead after this year. Yep. So actually, the world is changing. I mean, this is a very dynamic time right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, we also just did a story on TFL Truck. The Ram TRX V8 is gone. I mean, the Ram TRX is dead after this year. Yeah, so go to alltfl.com for that or go to TFL Truck for that. Uh, and it's a, it, it's a terrible shame. And for those people out there who are looking to buy their very first new car, and that's usually where I think that these inexpensive cars get their, you know, their popularity yeah. or in the past. Well, people who wanted something that was no hassle, they went and bought it. They change the oil when they're supposed to change the oil, rotate the tires, and just drive the damn thing for 150,000 miles and then get rid of it. And that is what we're talking about here with these little cars. And out of, say, a half dozen that exist, we're about to lose three. Yeah. It's so. no good. Yeah. Uh, the Chevy Bolt electric is being discontinued. Yep. Uh, it's just, um, it's... It's not good because the electric cars are slow to come online. Yep. They're still not selling in great volumes. Yes, Teslas are selling in volume. Yeah, but, but, who, a but lot not of, everybody can afford a Tesla. <coughs> exactly. Right? And these nice little cheaper cars like the Rio are, are gone. Yeah. So if you were thinking about running out there and getting a very inexpensive gas vehicle, well, now's the time. You know, between the Kia Rio and the um, Mitsubishi Mirage, if they're on the lots, I'm willing to bet that they're willing to will and deal on them. And maybe you won't get a markup. <laughs> uh, I, I would doubt it. But there was a time when somebody marked up a Mirage by $8,000. And it was selling for like thirty five grand or something like that. And that was a dealer markup. We actually caught wind of that a couple of years ago. It was ridiculous. Anyway, moving on. So that's the other bit of the sad news. Small, inexpensive vehicles are dying in the United States, and supposedly we're going to be getting a reprieve from electric vehicles in the future if they can figure out a way to build them less expensive for us. So where do we go from here? We go to a little bit of good news, some positive news before we end the list and sign out, and I think it has to do with Hyundai. Yeah, so the 2024 Hyundai Sonata is making U.S. debut with updated styling but also all-wheel drive too which is interesting i knew that they were developing all-wheel drive but i thought they were going to use it overseas now if you think about it the sonata will now have all-wheel drive that means that they'll have a vehicle that'll directly be able to compete with various sedans that say subaru builds um not also i guess wouldn't it compete against the toyota camry yeah uh, with all-wheel drive and that's a four-cylinder. 
I'm curious if this one is the turbo for it, which would be really cool. And I, I think they also have the hybrids uh, also in the fresh styling, which looks, I would say, quite remarkable. I mean, it's they a, do have the really skinny, squinty light yeah. signature. Yeah, it, it's similar. If you looked at the Hyundai, the new Hyundai Kona that's coming out, that front end styling is going to sort of go throughout the entire lineup of Hyundai vehicles. I don't know if it'll go over towards the, the little trucklets that they build, but it'll, at least it's here on the cars. But I think, I mean, this is smart because, you know, GM, Ford, Stellantis have largely moved away from sedans. Yeah. And the Japanese and Korean manufacturers are kind of taking advantage of this, I think. Yeah. yeah. In fact, really, their only competition in between the Japanese and Korean manufacturers are some of the Germans. Yeah. who are still building some a, sedan. A little bit more fancier, though. Yeah, but I mean, the, if you put that against the Jetta, that would be an interesting comparison. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's interesting to see that, and I'm glad that Hyundai is still innovating. And they surprise us every once in a while. They just come out with these things, and all of a sudden we're like, what? And I like that. I, I like being surprised because we get the inside scoop on so many things. Yep. Right? Yeah, that's good. All right, so uh, we done with the news now? I think so. Okay, so let's... No, it's this guy. So, funny story about this vehicle. Um, you're not allowed to call it Jeep. I know we've been pounding this thing into the dirt yeah. for some of you guys who've been watching us for a while. Um, this is the Grand Wagoneer L. And I've seen a few of these around, so they are selling. However, the Grand Wagoneer, if you actually put Jeep in front of it, it makes more sense because it's on their damn website. Am I right? You go to jeep.com to search and configure a Wagoneer right. or Grand Wagoneer. You also go to a Jeep dealership to purchase one. Precisa Mundo. Yes. I, I know they're supposed to have different, you know, rooms with fancy things. Different images. We get it that you're trying to make basically a Lincoln or Cadillac spinoff from Jeep, and this is all luxury, and we get that part. But the bottom line is that this is still a freaking Jeep. In fact, if you look at the vehicle up close, there are Easter eggs on it that actually say J-E-E-P. So I know a lot of the... Um, because suits over at uh, Wagoneer are, are a little ticked off about us constantly calling it Jeep, but frankly it is, so sorry. But here's the good news. It's also kind of a truck because yeah. instead of it having the same rear end as, say, a Jeep Grand Cherokee, which builds a vehicle that doesn't look completely different from this, <laughs> they actually look a lot alike, they used a pickup truck rear end, and also this thing actually has a frame. Yeah, so it's really related to a Ram 1500 in a lot of ways. Right. Except they have independent suspension all the way around, and mm -hmm. it's pretty fancy. And, of course, it has air suspension, and they now have their twin-turbo straight-six hurricane engine lineup mm -hmm. in this Wagoneer, Grand Wagoneer as well. We hear good things. Uh, we haven't really tested. We, I've asked for this. I've asked for a hurricane-powered three-liter straight-six-powered uh, Wagoneer or Grand Wagoneer for the Ike. I'm yet to see one. We've only had the big, was it 6.2? 6.4. 6.4-liter. Yeah, big, big Hemi. That's right. The big Hemi, which was great. It was plenty of power for this thing. But I've been told that the uh, Hurricane is actually more powerful and far more um, efficient. So we'll see in the future. But as it stands, this is a vehicle that is very pricey to begin with. And then Andre has a story here, so take it away. Well, it has to do with what you just mentioned. Uh, here is a comment from one of the viewers. At, at first, I didn't think that was real. And then I looked it up and realized that, yes, 
a Grand Wagoneer is a Jeep for over $100,000, which is true. You, you can get them under 100k right. uh, for certain models, but as soon as you start to add options and add more things to it, well over 100,000. And once again, sticker shock, right? Super sticker. And if you haven't been, you know, in the market looking at SUVs for a while, mm-hmm. this would be very surprising. It would be. And now, before you guys, you know, start calling up your local Jeep dealer and burning effigies or whatever, um, keep this in mind. This is an extraordinarily luxurious vehicle. It might have the best interior, not only in its class, but of any SUV we've been in. And it's including Mintegas and stuff like that, dude. So... This vehicle competes at a higher level, which is probably why they wanted to get rid of the Jeep image. This competes directly with like the Cadillac Escalade. It competes with Mercedes, BMW, Genesis. So on the the higher end, exactly, Lexus, this vehicle competes directly with those. And that is why you're seeing this massive price increase. Um, And then in addition, it still has sort of an off-road background, right? And we've taken one of these off-road. It did just fine. It's just not really very light on its toes because it's freaking huge. Yeah, and they have different versions, right? You can buy them on 22s with street tires, or you could buy them with slightly off-road worthy all-terrain tires. And keep in mind, this is a full-size three-row SUV, truck-based, that offers the most towing of any big full-size SUV, up to 10,000 pounds of towing which is more than the Tahoe, more than the Cadillac, more than Ford Expedition, more than the Navigator, yeah. more than the Sequoia, all of them. Yep. This is the king. Yeah, and we can say from our own personal experience that the V8 has a very pleasing growl to it that you only hear in the cab if you really put your foot down. Otherwise, it is serene and super quiet inside of these things. And probably one of the nicest interiors I've ever seen. I mean, in terms of functionality yeah, mixed I mean, in with use of, you know, comfort. Stellantis designers have been on a tear last few years, you know, with the Ram design, right. now the Jeep, Wagoneer designs. Interior, at least. Yeah, yeah. interior. I mean, exterior of the Grand Wagoneer, mm. uh, it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, uh, here's my one problem, and it's called the Jeep Grand Cherokee. Ah. If you take the Jeep Grand Cherokee L and put it next to a regular... Um, Wagoneer, you, you know, the average person on the street might have a hard time telling them apart, even though the Wagoneer is obviously bigger, especially chunkier. Um, they look very similar from the front. They look very similar from the back. They have a lot of the same design elements to them. And unfortunately, I don't think that the Wagoneer differentiates itself enough from the Jeep Grand Cherokee L, let's say, to really look that different and also you know, substantiate such a high number for a price because it does command a very high price. So that is one of the issues. And really, it's just about supply and demand. People want these things. They're selling them. And, and also, it's a great, like, vacation vehicle, right? Oh, well, sure. I- I've seen them at um, skiing resorts, uh-huh. any number of places, you know, fancy shopping malls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great vacation. Some of them are rentals, mm-hmm. right? You go somewhere, you want a, a nice vehicle to arrive in. Bam, you get a Grand Wagoneer. Some people it, who drive limos will drive these too, yeah. you know, because you, the, the comfort in the second row is absolutely phenomenal. So this is really built to be a very cushy, luxurious, executive-feeling vehicle, but we're talking about in a world where guys have perhaps blue-collar wages and 
can't quite afford a large SUV like this, but they could, if they really pushed it, afford maybe its baby brother or perhaps something that Chevrolet builds, uh, which would be far cheaper, or perhaps something that Toyota builds. You know what I mean? So there's, there are, if you scale it down just a little tiny bit, you can find something that's affordable that will replace this vehicle. Um, I just wish that they did lower the price a little bit. It would be so much more logical. So we did have a little bit of bad news over this episode. Mm-hmm. We discussed high prices. Yes, we did. But I, w- I want to say, don't get discouraged. I think mm. all of us together, I want to end on this. Yes. All of us together can have the power to change things. Yeah. So let me give a small motivational speech. And after I, you, I, you I have, yes, I have one shout out after you're done with the motivational okay, speech. Okay, okay. Just a small, quick motivational speech. If all of us go out there and we don't buy the super, super luxurious trim levels of vehicles. You know, if we forego the, you know, the ventilated seats. Sure. And if we forego a few things. The super fancy, fancy stereo. Yeah, and maybe, like maybe cloth seats. Right. Just, just get something more basic, like some of the viewers and commenters uh, were mentioning here in the story. Then manufacturers will see it. That there's interest in more basic stuff. They, they'll hopefully they'll direct more, you know, building production of those vehicles. Yes. They'll, they'll have more of them. We can maybe we can control it somehow and lower some of these prices. That would be terrific. Now, before we go, I'd like to give a special shout out. It has nothing to do with car stuff, but it's for a radio station which has, I think, one of the best lineups on the planet. But more Whoa. importantly. Uh, my wife won some tickets to a Duran Duran concert, which we went to, Ooh. from Indy 102.3, which is right here uh, based in Boulder. They actually are kind of kind of college radio. Oh. They're just outside of you know, the Sweet. school. Sweet. Uh, we hung out with Willoughby and also uh, Dana. And their personalities, DJs, one of them is a manager. They are fantastic people. And I wanted to give a shout out to them because it's a great radio station if you like indie stuff. They're always on the cutting edge. I highly recommend it. Thank you guys for the wonderful seats and the wonderful company at the concert. Now, with that, I wanted to say goodbye to everybody and have a wonderful week. And thank you, Andre, for hanging out. You are far easier for me to work with than Roman. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, And and by the way, uh, stay tuned. I mean... Uh, lots of events coming up. Oh, my De- God. Detroit Auto Show is just around the corner. Yeah, and then right uh, after that is SEMA and then the LA Auto Show. Yeah, huge. Insane. So, and also a lot of truck news as well because new truck drives are coming. Yes. And yeah, we're talking about you know, Silverado Electric, more testing. We're talking about Ford Ranger. We're talking about the ZR2 Heavy Duties. Yes, and perhaps something from Toyota as well. Hmm. It could be coming soon. Okay, guys, but that's all truck news, man. Yep. Come on, this is a car stuff. Okay. All right, guys, thank you once again. Have a wonderful week. Take care. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.